From Accelerate, this is Restore Your Power to Succeed, a podcast to help restoration professionals succeed both personally and in business. I'm Rachel Stewart. I spent 12 years in the industry growing a restoration company from $1.5 million to over $20 million in annual revenue before founding Accelerate, an industry job management system to help contractors be successful by addressing the technology gaps that I faced every day. This podcast is dedicated to teaching everything I and other top performers in the industry have learned. From leadership and personal growth to industry-specific pain points, this podcast is for everyone. So let's get started as we restore your power to succeed. Welcome to episode 10 of Restore Your Power to Succeed. Today, we are going to be talking about continual growth and development. This will be a multi-part interview because there's just so much knowledge and takeaways that you'll get from my guest today. My hope is that you leave committed to never being done or fully baked, that you're constantly learning and growing and expanding your knowledge and capacity. And I think there is no one better to show us how this is done than Bill Weber. I met Bill about 10 years ago. He was the Western chapter president of an industry group I was a part of. And let me give you a rundown of his professional designations. Okay, so if you ever looked him up on LinkedIn, he has so many letters behind his name. So I don't know if I'll be able to cover all of it, but he is a board certified microbial remediation supervisor. He's a certified lead renovator, an asbestos contractor supervisor, a certified restorer from the RIA, which is just about the highest designation you can get in restoration. He's an expert on chemical sensitivities. He is a founding member of the Building Science Institute, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about that during this interview. Um, He is an expert witness and consultant in just about everything restoration, and you better hope that he isn't on the other side inside a courtroom. Now he spends most of his life finding and diagnosing some of the most difficult to find and to solve source of loss problems. He is a partner with Richard Avalar, which is a forensic architecture firm. I know I missed a bunch of fancy stuff, but as impressive as all of those things are, they aren't as impressive as who he is as a person. I don't think you'll be able to find any person on the planet who would say that Bill Weber was unkind to them, spoke down to them, or ever belittled them. He's just an excellent human who cares about others. He devoted his career investing in the growth of others. He has always been so supportive of my career and generous with his knowledge and expertise. So welcome, Bill. I'm so happy to have you on today. Thank you so much, Rachel. (laughs) I love that introduction. The business itself, this restoration business, has just been so good. And it's just been wonderful to be able to give back in, in so many different ways. So I'm really looking forward to talking about that today with you. Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to the conversation. I know our listeners are going to glean so much knowledge from you. But before we dive into the topic today, uh, for our listeners, we are recording on Good Friday. And so I know your faith is really critical to you. And so if you feel comfortable and want to share with our listeners what this day and this weekend means to you and give a little shout out to Jesus, that would be awesome. (laughs) Absolutely. We're celebrating the resurrection of our King. And this is a holiday that is so important uh, to Christians all over the entire world. 
For me personally, I've had some amazing experiences with the Lord. I've experienced healings, physical healings through prayer, and it's actually really helped me in my day-to-day investigations, my uh, unraveling of certain key issues is just to ask the Holy Spirit, you know, what do you have in store for me? What what should I be looking at that I haven't seen with my with my earthly eyes? I intertwine my faith with my work. And so, yeah, this, this weekend is important to me. Yeah, that's so great. But I, first of all, I know that about you, that you don't just speak your faith. You, you live it in what you do every day. But also you were talking about the healings that you experienced. And I know that you went through um, something really challenging with your daughter. And I know how much faith and prayer ended up making that whole saga have a happy ending. So, so cool. Me and my family, we spent the week reflecting on all of the different titles that Jesus has and all of the different areas of expertise that he demonstrated. And that really kind of goes into what our topic is, that continual growth, that expansion. And and we get so much of that from tapping the depths of our relationship with Christ. So thank you for sharing. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for opening up the door. Okay. So I was wondering if you could give the listeners a very quick rundown of where you started in the industry and all your different moves. And I know this could be like a two hour saga. So we're just going to really do a condensed version. We just kind of want to hear how you started. Yeah, I'd love to share that. Um, So as a little bit of background, my my father growing up, he was a door-to-door salesman. And eventually he landed on door-to-door sales for carpet cleaning. And that's how we kind of lived on a week-to-week basis is carpet cleaning. And as his, uh, I guess, followers or repeat customers continued, the business began to grow. And eventually I became a carpet cleaner in the family business. The business in... Let's see, in the mid 80s, actually went to turn to water damage recovery. In fact, our company was called out to extract standing water for a couple of other restoration companies because we had all the equipment. I can't tell you how many restorers started that same way as carpet cleaners. (laughs) And uh, it it just became very interesting and it, it became you know, more noble, I think, than just cleaning carpets. It was this opportunity to help people in their time of need by being there quickly, understanding what they were going through, and using your skills, talents, and abilities to help people. So when I was uh, 18 or 19 years old, at that time, my father's partner uh, sent me to a WRT class, which is a water technician class. And there was nothing here in California that <laughs> there was no classes here in California. We actually had to fly from the San Francisco Bay Area to Boston, Massachusetts to take this class. And it was really extraordinary because here I am, just a teenager who said yes to his first class to learn how to, to do this water restoration thing. I was just a, a carpet cleaner and a rug sucker before, so to speak. And so I went to Boston took the class, got just a ton of information. Uh, And my shout out to Major Long, who was the instructor for my very first class, and just an extraordinary gentleman that I had interaction with afterwards, even my my early 20s. Um, 
but anyway, that first certification, and I, I remember coming back, and I was I was simply a helper to a, a guy that the company had had there for a long, long time. And when we responded to our our first loss after I had come back from class, I noticed that he was not doing things that I learned in class. He was doing something else. And when I when I brought this to his attention in the cocky teenage way, he said, "Listen." That's all school. This is real world. And this is why we're going to do what we're doing. But I really didn't like that response. <laughs> and because now I, now I was, I was informed, right? Once you, once you have the blinders off and you can see the truth, now you can't, you can't unsee it. And so like any, like any child who asks why all the time, I just asked why to the point where um, my father's partner, who is basically the operations guy, said, Bill, you're now the supervisor. And to the other guy, he he became my helper, which he didn't like. And all of a sudden, I was thrusted into being the guy. So not only are you <laughs> the owner's kid, <laughs> you also usurped you your supervisor. And I bet you were able to win friends and influence people even despite that. Well, I... I can't say that uh, the person I am today was a person I was back then, um, but thankfully I had a lot of good mentors along the way that encouraged me to not see things black and white, to not be cocky or overconfident. And I actually, early on, I, I actually hired a personal coach. I hired a personal coach when I was about 22 years old who challenged me to better myself in terms of getting to know people, getting to know the whys and how how people operate and what their buttons were. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but what really motivates people and can gain you their assistance, as well as their love and their devotion and their honesty and, you know, all these things that are really important for, for human interaction. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you mentioned like the people that have kind of helped you along the way. Are there any others that you want to highlight here? <laughs> you know, there there are so many. Um, my father, I, I can't be where I am without my father. He is the most positive person that you would ever meet. In fact, when he walks into the room, the people are just naturally drawn to him as just a, a positive force. And after witnessing that so many times over the years, I, I just said, man, I just want to emulate that. And, and so my father, definitely key. Uh, his partner, who eventually became my partner, his name was Kerry Adler. I learned a tremendous amount from Kerry in terms of how the business runs, uh, what numbers uh, we should be looking at, how do we keep our, our costs down, how do we evaluate how much we should charge for a given activity? And, and that was a huge help. The person that, <laughs> that gave me so much life talk was Jim Taylor. He was, he was actually the gentleman who we, we would bring all the fire-damaged furniture to, and he would do the refinishing. And so I would deliver that furniture, and Every time I would have like this one hour deep conversation about life <laughs> from him. And he was just an older guy that had been, you know, around for a very, very, very long time and, and just gave me some life lessons. Not that I really appreciated it all at that time, 
but now I, I don't know what I would have done without it. That's awesome. Uh, there, there's just so many, my pastor, I have the same pastor. My very first day at church was when I was 13 years old in the youth group. His first day was a pastor at the youth group. (laughs) And to this day, I still, uh, we still attend or I still attend church with him, whatever that is, 30, 40 years later. So that's amazing. You know, there's just, uh, you know, you can't really go through life without people to help you through it. So, so true. And we've been talking about that on the last couple episodes, just building that tribe and that layer of support that help you just just bring out the best in, in yourself and continue to grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, going back to the industry type stuff, Marty King, you know, Marty King was really the grandfather of restoration in our business. When I say when I was 18 or 19, we're talking about 1988, 89, when restoration was just developing. The, the, the equipment that we had was Lloyd's equipment. For all of you new guys that are listening to this podcast, Lloyd uh, developed the first dehumidifier for our industry. He developed these metal scroll cage fans that we would use. And uh, it's their own. <laughs> I, I almost wish I would have kept a couple because it's like museum quality stuff now. <laughs> but, <laughs> they took so much power. And now by today's standards, they didn't do nearly what what the newer equipment does. But, you know, it started soft. But Marty King, that's who I took my certified restorer uh, certification class with. And just just that week long class that I got no more than four hours of sleep per night during that week. As we move through all of this information, I just learned so much from him. If if any of the listeners want some good educational pieces that came out between the eight, in the eighties and nineties, they are still relevant today. Look up the the technical resource documents on RIA and Marty King. I think they had just a whole slew of them that he wrote. Just amazing stuff. Will you send me those and I'll I'll actually put it in the link in the show notes. You got it. Awesome. Um, I, I also need a shout out for my wife, Judy. Because of her, I was able to take and pass uh, my general contractors course back in 1993, which eventually led to my ability to take and pass the certified restorer class. She helped me for 30 days straight as we as I led up to that contractor's test and every single night she would quiz me for no less than two hours on all the information that was California contractor's license test. And man, you know, you ask that question, it's kind of a loaded question. There's this, I have this endless supply. <laughs> I have this endless supply of people that I like to think. I know, right? Like then who do you miss? <laughs> I, I feel like I, I'm, I just received like the Golden Globe Award or something. I need to thank everyone in my life that got me here. <laughs> but as I as I developed in in terms of education again for this business, what I found in contracting, right, air quotes around contracting and remediation and restoration, is that there was typically a group of people that really wanted to learn and really go that extra mile and and understand why they were doing what they were doing and not just doing it 
because there was money to be made by doing it. And that was the importance of getting the, the CR certification is that to get into this elite group that, you know, we could have these really good conversations and, and get these very unique projects in, in churches and commercial buildings and, and high net worth clients. And, how, you know, how do you clean a fabric wall? with cushion in it after a fire loss, is it salvageable? And if it is salvage, if, if we could salvage it, we could save the time and money and all the love that the client had in, in choosing that material. And, you know, all of those things were just so important. I just didn't want to be the guy that went in there and say, tear it down. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be the guy that said, I think we can restore this and this is how I would do it. And, and what I've learned about this particular fabric is X, Y, Z. So I, I really enjoy getting into that. Yeah, you uh, definitely geek out on all of that stuff. Uh, you, you were recently in town with your wife and came over for dinner. And you were telling me all about this fascinating book that you were reading on your vacation about the compounds and structures of concrete. And I was trying really hard to act interested. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's important. I mean, when you when when you're faced across the table by uh, w- with an attorney that says, "What's the trade standard for coloration of concrete?" and at what point is the coloring uh, deemed as falling below the standard of care? And, you know, I got I got to know that. And so, how do I know that without doing my research and getting educated in it? No, absolutely. I was just giving you a hard time. I mean, that's precisely what the topic is, right? Like about just continuing, never sitting back and going, hey, I've been in this business for 30 some odd years and I have all of these designations and I've seen just about every loss there is. So, you know, I'm good. You're never at that place. You're always like, well, what else? And asking why and what's the next evolution of your career and where are you going? Totally. I I think that as kids, every one of us as a child asks questions, why? Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? You know, why do trees only grow so high? I like to think that I never stop asking why. That's awesome. And then it's also important to be asking the the correct question, right? Asking the wrong question can be just as bad as not asking the question. So I know you're also really careful about asking the correct question when you're looking into problems. I think that asking the right question puts you on this path to getting usually more than one answer, but the, the more you define the why, you, the closer to the answer you'll obtain, right? So like going to our concrete example, if you learn what was the mix, how did they install it? How long did it take? What was the temperature and humidity during the time? How long did it sit wet for? How fast did it dry? All of these factors play a part in the coloration of the concrete. And so if I don't ask all those questions, I may not have a complete answer. And if I don't have that complete answer for my clients, then I haven't done my client justice. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's something that curiosity that you have for yourself. So I have a question for you. Do you feel like that's just ingrained in somebody or have you been able to instill that in those that you either managed or led or partnered with or whatever? Was that something that you were able to help them to develop or you either have it or you don't? Oh, I'm really glad that you asked me that because um, 
if you have a love for people and you want to see people develop, education plays a huge part. You know, I think that when you educate the people that you lead, you help build their confidence. And there, there's this, this exchange that, that they feel like they're being mentored. And what I learned also at, at that younger age is, is that I become either a big brother or a father figure to so many people along the way yeah. where they may not have gotten that from their family members. And so when I, when I start educating, there's like this hunger for that and the hunger grows. And then during that process, it becomes not just technical information, but now, you know, this human interaction of, you know, what do you like and how come you like it and what motivates you and if I gave you this book, we read it and can we talk about it? And it just kind of has a snowball effect, which I just have loved. I, I love developing people and education is such an easy way to get your foot in the door in someone's life. Yeah, I feel like that's one of your superpowers, being able to really develop other people that you're leading. And I think Something that really kind of was eye-opening to me or was like, oh, that's really cool. I want to highlight that was when you said as people start building that confidence, then a spark grows within them, right? Because people enjoy doing what they feel good at, right? Nobody likes doing something that where they feel like they're failing or they're just getting by or just barely competent. When they feel like they're succeeding and being successful, they want more. They want to do more. And so I love that you really highlighted that and brought that out. And, you know, I think when, when you when you mentor and you start building confidence, I think that people realize that you're you're giving of your time and of your energy. And and what that then leads to is they feel worthy, right? They feel more worthy than they felt before. You've done that. And someone who who feels worthy and who feels like an unqualified success, if I could use the title <laughs> of your book, right? Uh, if I can help build their self-esteem and their self-confidence, then especially if they're someone who I supervise or even one of my colleagues, they're going to do a better job ultimately. And if they do a better job, we all win. The customer wins, all our different clients win, the colleagues win, their family wins, they win, I win. And so when you look at it as this this whole big picture of, of developing people, you, it's never a loss. Even I, I've had like for every listener that you have is that you, you, you've spent time developing someone who, who eventually leaves and maybe does their own thing, goes to work for a competitor, but you know what? It's okay. It's okay because they're, they're going to take that piece with them. And sometimes if they go to work for someone else, they go, geez, Bill, I, I didn't realize how well I had it over there with you. You know, I came over here because there was this opportunity for money or whatever it was, but I'll still never forget the time that you taught me about this. And it's just really rewarding. And, and I know I can't ever expect that everyone who works for me will always work for me. That's not realistic. <laughs> and, and, and that's not my motivation, right? I don't educate people so that they stay. I educate people because I love doing it and I love them. 
Right, right. And that's so apparent when anybody spends time with you, that you're doing it because you really care about that individual and not necessarily for anything that you're getting out of it other than it makes you happy, right? So thank you so much for joining us this week as we explored the topic of education and continued growth, and especially the benefits that happen to those around us as we invest in their education. Next week, we'll be talking about the benefits to you as you invest in others and also as you continue to invest in yourself. Thank you so much for joining us as we restore your power to succeed. My name is Kevin Hussey. My company is United Fire and Water Damage. We're out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I've been in business since 1999. Prior to coming on board with Accelerate, we were using a platform, uh, an application that was not specific to restoration, didn't have uh, many of the, the tools that we need that are specific to the industry. And we were at a point in our company where we needed a tool that was a little more robust. That was Kevin Hussey with United Fire and Water, based out of Louisiana. You may be working through similar operational challenges with your own restoration business. Maybe a lack of documentation in the field, the inability to track time for crews, overly complicated job management systems, or something entirely different. You can overcome any business challenges that you face. You can grow a profitable restoration business and you can do all of that with Accelerate Restoration Software. So we made the move over to Accelerate and, and we really have seen some benefit from having those specific things within Accelerate like KPIs, like uh, time tracking for estimate submission and our guys checking in at a, at a job site so we know the cost of, of our labor per job. Accelerate just really has a lot more in the way of, of tools that are specific to our industry. I think overall, the, the, the reception to the technology in the field has been great by, by our staff. Accelerate is helping restorers like Kevin and United Fire and Water to restore their power to succeed through a more intuitive user experience, through innovative restoration technology specifically designed for our industry, and through results that just speak for themselves. You've got technicians in the field that are performing water damage restoration services. And, and that picture has to be painted to the estimator, has to be painted for our administrative people who submit the billing, who ultimately have to demonstrate to the carrier, this is what we did for this project. We have to be able to, to show them specifically what we did and justify what we did in order to be able to, to get paid. And that's what Accelerate really done a great job for us with is painting that picture for the carrier so that we can we can justify what we've done and get paid as a company. Restore your power to succeed in restoration with Accelerate Restoration Software. Click the link in the show notes to request a demo today.